Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning. And we want to welcome you to the program, regardless of what means you might be listening to us through the radio or through the podcast or through an internet avenue. We're very thankful to have you here with us. We'd love to hear from you. I uh, would encourage you to contact us at gospel-of-grace.com. Send us an email and please let us know that you're listening and if there's any way that we can help you, if you have any questions, if you're trying to find a church that may be closer to you, then you can find a directory of those churches on our website, gospel-of-grace.com. And there's also a lot more content on our website at Macedonia, macedonia-pbc.org. If you happen to be in the North Mississippi area, we'd certainly love to have you come worship with us at uh, Sulphur Springs Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and uh, Macedonia Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We both meet for worship services on Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., and then we also have a Wednesday night meeting in Starkville, Mississippi, each Wednesday night beginning at 6 p.m. So, again, we'd love to have you come out and worship with us if you have the ability. This morning, we'd like to continue our thoughts on prayer and hopefully look at some limitations in prayer. Sometimes we have some struggles in prayer, some reasons why our prayers may not be answered, and we want to try to examine some of them from the scriptures today. So hope you can stay tuned with us as we consider that, and we'll bring that message to you right after this song. Hi, this is Elder David Weiser with you on the Gospel of Grace. For quite a while during my time on the program, we've been trying to examine prayer and the model prayer and effectual fervent prayer in the manner in which we ought to pray. 
And this morning, we would like to focus on some of the limitations we have in prayer, why our prayers may not be answered, but also some of the challenges that can hinder us from having an effectual and fervent prayer life. So what are some of those limitations in prayer? We'd like to first go to James chapter 4, and we see a couple examples of limitations in prayer here in James chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So we see here that one of the reasons that we don't receive the things that we desire is many times we don't ask. You have not because you ask not. We don't pray in faith. We don't pray fervently. We forget the fact that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And it is true that many times we have not because we ask not. So that's why we need to be bold in prayer, right? That's why we need to bring our petitions and our burdens, burdens of our heart before God in prayer because God, the worst he could ever say is no. <laughs> and he answers every prayer again as either yes, no, or not now. And the worst he could ever say is no. So we have not because we ask not, but we need to pray boldly. We need to pray being reminded of the fact that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And we need to pray in faith. And we'll circle back around to that in just a minute. So we have not because we ask not. So that means we need to ask, right? We need to pray unto God for the petitions that we stand in need of. And then we also can have the wrong motive in prayer. Verse 3, ye ask and receive not. Well, what's one of the reasons that we ask and receive not? Because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. So that shows us that many times our prayers, we're not praying for our needs. We're praying for our wants. We're not truly submitting to God's will. Instead, we're trying to impose our will on God. Remember one of the quotes that we considered early on in this series, prayer is not a way for man's will to be done in heaven. Prayer is the way for God's will to be done on the earth. And that's one of the most important things as we examine the model prayer is a submission to God's will. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We want God's will to be done. We submit to God's will. But when we ask and we don't receive, we really need to examine Am I truly seeking God's will or am I asking something because it's just something I want? Am I trying to consume it upon my own lust? So one of the reasons that I may not receive the petition that I asked for is because I'm asking for the wrong reason. And then we see in verse four, maybe I'm too friendly with the world. Maybe the reason that I'm asking upon my own lust is because I've become a friend of the world, because I have been enticed by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, and I'm asking for something to consume it upon my own lust. Well, God, thankfully, as our Heavenly Father, knows what we need, and He knows what's best for us, and thankfully, God knows 
when not to give us something. You know, sometimes as parents, you don't give your child everything they ask for. You know, they may ask for candy. They may ask for something that's going to hurt their stomach if they eat too much of it. But you know that they don't, they can't see past the immediate gratification of something that's going to be injurious to them. So there are times where you don't give your children everything they ask for, and you don't in the moment explain a 10-minute explanation of why, a 10-minute explanation of why this is not in their best interest and you're telling them no for a reason. You need to instruct your children in that way, but in every moment, you're not going to give them the full explanation of why you said no. No, many times the parent just says no. And you need to trust me that it's in your best interest. Well, God does the same thing, doesn't he? You know, we think that we know what's in our best interest. We think we know that our will is best. We always want to think that our will is best, but our will is not best. God's will is best, and God knows that. So many times he just tells us no, and he doesn't always give us a full explanation of that. But we always need to be reminded that when we don't get what we ask for, if we're truly praying according to God's will, that God always has our our best interest in mind. And many times he's not giving us what we're asking for is because we're asking improperly. We're asking amiss, right? We're asking to consume it upon our own lust. So many times God won't give us what we ask for because it's not what we need. It's something that'll be detrimental to us. That's why we need to pray according to God's will. And we're also told in 1 John chapter 5 and in verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, I believe we've discussed this during earlier messages, but the more we are in tune with God, the more we read God's word, and the more we submit to God's will, the burdens of our heart will align with God's heart. So if we're too friendly with the world, then we're going to ask to consume it upon our own lust because we want something that is not in accordance with God's will. However, the closer we walk with God, the closer we study God's word and we meditate on his word, then it says that God will give us the desires of our heart. Well, it says in Proverbs and Psalms that God will give us the desires of our heart. Well, if we're in tune with God, the desires of our heart will be God's will right? And that's what he says here, that if we ask according to his will and we have the right spirit and we're not trying to ask it to consume it upon our own lust, then that's something that'll be beneficial for us. And therefore, God, as our gracious father, will be willing to give that to us. So therefore, we pray according to God's will, submitting to the fact that God knows what is best for us, because many times we might ask for the wrong thing, asking amiss, wanting something, not because it's truly a godly thing, because we want God's will to be done, but we just want it because we want it. We want to consume it upon our own lust. And you can also see there that we have some, you can also see there in that context in James chapter four, talking about wars and fightings among you. You lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight and war. These are talking about sins. These are talking about fightings even among God's people. So these are sins that are occurring among God's people, sins that are hindering God from answering your prayer. Now, 
With that in mind, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 7. And there's a really great context here of wives submitting to your own husbands and cultivating that inner beauty of the meek and the quiet spirit that is in the sight of God of great price and very great lessons and teaching here. But for our purposes this morning, we're just going to skip to verse 7 in 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So husbands, there are multiple things that we're commanded to do here in this verse. Number one, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. You know, it's been said that there's no way any man can understand women. Well, you may not be able to understand women, but as a husband, you have a biblical obligation to understand at least one woman, and that is your wife, to dwell with them according to knowledge, and also to give them honor, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, the fragile but yet the valuable vessel, the beautiful vase that is valuable and fragile, the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now, if you don't do those things, it says that our prayers can be hindered. That's what the scripture says, that your prayers be not hindered. So if we don't dwell with our wives according to knowledge, if we don't give honor to the wife, protecting her and giving her safety and exaltation as the weaker vessel, and we don't invest as an heir with her of the grace of life, if we don't do those things that we're commanded, God says here that our prayers can be hindered. So this is one aspect in our marriage relationships that if we're not living as a husband in the manner that we ought to, and it certainly describes the husband in this context that the husband's prayers can be hindered, but I believe the opposite is true as well. If the wife is not submitting in a biblical way, if she's living in a very disrespectful, not honoring God way, then I believe the wife's prayers can be hindered as well because they're not fulfilling their marriage responsibility, but particularly the husbands are highlighted here. So we need to love our wives as Christ loved the church, right? That our prayers will come up as an acceptable sacrifice before God because the rest of our life backs up the prayers that we're praying, okay? So it's very important in our relationships, but particularly we see here between the husband and a wife, we need to love our wives in the manner we're called to in Scripture so that our prayers can be heard on high, that our prayers will not be hindered. We're told in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has just finished addressing murder in the heart. Jesus is getting to literally the heart of the matter in the Sermon on the Mount. It's not just about external obedience. It's about the purity of heart. So he says, don't kill anybody, but also if you hate your brother in your heart, you're guilty of murder in the same way. And he says there in that context, in Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, and first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now, in the immediate context, he's talking about making a temple offering, giving to the church, so to say. And as you're doing that, you need to be so in tune with God that you should see that there are shortcomings that you have. And it says here, as you're doing that, if you remember that your brother has ought against you. Now, 
I believe it's certainly true as you're doing that. You need to know if you've offended someone that you need to go and reconcile with them. But actually, I believe it's describing here the opposite. If you know that there's a brother that's mad at you, regardless of if it's justified or unjustified, if you know you have a problem with another brother, then you need to get right with that brother before you present your gift unto the Lord in the temple. Now, in our context here today, we need to examine ourselves every time that we assemble with the saints. And you know what? If I know I have a problem, even if I haven't necessarily trespassed against someone, if I know they have a problem against me, I need to go be reconciled with them and work it out before I'm going to be able to engage in public worship and the fervency and the devotion and the focus that I need, okay? So this is another example that our worship could be hindered, and I believe it's also true that our prayers can be hindered. Again, if relationships, especially the closest relationships with us, if they are not in tune with God's word, if they're not in tune and we're loving one another in the manner that we ought to, if we have ought against someone, our prayers can be hindered. Think about King Saul in the Old Testament and the way that he continually disobeyed God. And Saul is a child of God. He's in heaven today, but as a child of God, at the end of his life, he had lived in perpetual disobedience for so many years. He had disobeyed the commands of Samuel and tried to justify it. He spent most of his life after David came on the scene trying to kill the man after God's own heart, and he just lived in abject sin. But then think about the account at the end of his life where he's trying to determine God's will to go into war. You see, Saul's still trying to seek God's will, but because of Saul's perpetual disobedience to God, it says that God would not answer his prayers. This is in 1 Samuel 28, and he's trying to seek God's will. It says in verse 6, Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. You see, this is a child of God who's seeking God's will, who's praying unto him, but because of his perpetual disobedience, because of Saul's sin in his life that he was unrepentant of, God did not answer him. Now, he ends up going to the witch of Endor and this very unique scene where the spirit of Samuel is called back up and Samuel, the Lord doesn't directly answer him, but God does allow Samuel to be brought back up and says, essentially, you're going to die in battle. But I believe Saul is another example because of unrepentant sin in our life. You see, that's what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. You're sinning by not honoring your wife and the man that you're out to. You're sinning by not being an heir together of the grace of life. It's a sin to not treat your wife the way that Christ loved the church. So you are living in sin. And if you continue to live in sin, your prayers are going to be hindered. If you have sinned against your brother and you don't go reconcile that, your enjoyment and fervency of worship is going to be hindered. And I think Saul is a great example here that he still had an internal desire to seek God's will, but God closed off the special assurance of God's will and guidance in Saul's life because of his perpetual unrepentant sin. And our prayers can be hindered in the same way because of unrepentant sin. We've already read that many times we have not because we ask not, but then also when we ask, we are called to pray in faith. 
James chapter one, beginning in verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with wind and tossed. Notice this though. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So we're supposed to pray in faith. We're supposed to pray in faith with an expectation that God will bless. And if we don't pray in faith, the Holy Spirit here says we have no expectation that God's going to answer that prayer. You know, in James chapter 5 that we've spent a lot of time in over this series, James chapter 5 and verse 15, notice the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. The prayer of faith. Now, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, and a righteous man is praying in faith, isn't he? He's praying with an expectation of answer. Now, we always submit to God's will, and we know, particularly in praying for healing of sickness, sometimes that answer of healing comes by them being ultimately healed and going on to heaven. Sometimes God doesn't give timely healing during our life here. So we know that not every single one we pray for doesn't always get well. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're not praying in faith. No, we pray in faith, but we submit to God's will. But what he says there in James chapter 1 is that if you're not praying in faith, you do not have an expectation that God is going to answer you. Now, praise God. Praise God that our Lord is so gracious and merciful that he still answers our prayers even when we don't pray in faith in the manner that we ought to. Because we all struggle, just like that father in Mark chapter 9. Lord, I believe. Lord, but help thou my unbelief. You know, I can't pray in faith properly in the manner that I desire to. Lord, I believe. Oh, but Lord, please help thou my unbelief. So we're so thankful that God doesn't to totally cut us off because we don't believe him and trust him in the manner that we ought to. But we need to pray in faith because we do not have an expectation that God will answer our prayer if we don't pray in faith. Think about Acts chapter 12, where the church was meeting together and praying without ceasing for Peter. Well, when God answered their prayer and literally did the impossible, I mean, what are the chances of the shackles falling off the hands of Peter and him walking out of the front door of the prison? I mean, that's a 0% chance of that happening, unless you're praying in faith. With man, it's impossible, no doubt. But with God, all things are possible. So we pray in faith, knowing that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, right? Now, when Peter, there in Acts chapter 12, made his way to the church and knocked on the door, Rhoda was excited. She goes and tells everybody else, and they said, no, you're crazy. No, he's not really there. He walks in, and they were astonished. They were astonished. Why? They were doing their duty, but they weren't praying in as bold of faith as they ought have. Now, I think they were praying in faith, but they weren't praying in faith with an expectation that God would answer them in the manner that they expected, okay? You know, there's a very common phrase that I believe is very appropriate. If you pray for rain, you need to walk around with an umbrella, right? If you're praying for something, you need to walk around and have actions that, that exhibit an expectation that God will answer that prayer. If you pray for rain, walk around with an umbrella, right? We need to pray in faith with an expectation that God can and will answer our prayers. So some other challenges and limitations that we have in prayer is just simply being too busy, right? Being too busy. We're told to enter into our closet where we're shut off from everything else so we can commune with God. We need to be still and know that I am God, right? Psalm 46.10, we need to be still and know that I am God. But what's our problem? 
We're too busy. We're too busy. We think we have too many things going on to isolate our time in that closet to commune one-on-one with God and to worship God through prayer. So many times when our prayers are diluted, the answers are going to be diluted, right? If we're not praying effectually and fervently, if we think we're too busy to pray in the manner we ought to, if our prayers are diluted, we shouldn't be surprised when God's answers to those prayers are diluted. But the more fervent and diligent our prayers are, particularly in private, the more fervent and powerful the answer to those prayers are going to be, right? So we have some limitations in prayer, don't we? We have not because we ask not. We ask to consume it upon our own lust. Many times we don't pray according to God's will, truly submitting to God's will in the manner that we ought to. We also might have unrepentant sin in our life that needs to be addressed where God will hearken more readily to our prayers, that our prayers will be not hindered. We need to pray in faith, not just going through the motions because we know we're supposed to pray, but pray expecting that God will bless us. And then certainly we can get so busy that we don't enter into our closet and commune with God in prayer. So we have a lot of struggles and a lot of limitations in prayer, but praise God, praise God that every single prayer we pray comes through Jesus Christ, our intercessor, who daily ever liveth to make intercession for us, and comes through the Holy Spirit that cleans up all of our mistakes, all of our limitations, all of our asking improperly, all of our asking to consume it upon our own lust, all of our sins. He cleans up all of that and presents our prayers perfectly before God the Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 25. But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what for what we should pray for as we ought. Do you feel that way sometimes? I don't know really how I should pray. I don't know what I should pray for as I ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, isn't that a great reminder? (laughs) Even if you pray to consume something upon your own lust and you don't pray according to God's will, isn't it such a blessing to know that the Holy Spirit is making intercession for you according to God's will? And I believe that's been the case in my life. There have been many times that I was not making a decision. I was not praying according to God's will. But you know what? The Holy Spirit still made intercession to God the Father for me according to God's will. So we have all these limitations in prayer, but God takes the groanings of our heart. He takes these times when we don't know what to praise we ought, and then the times we try, but we still make mistakes. God the Holy Spirit takes all of that, and then he presents it perfectly before God the Father according to the will of God. And that's such a tremendous blessing that we have these limitations, we have these struggles, but that the Holy Spirit still takes that and makes it a sweet-smelling odor before God, bringing our petitions and our prayers before God, presenting them according to the will of God. So we have limitations in prayer, but praise God, the Holy Spirit cleans up all of those limitations as he presents them before God the Father. We have one more message, Lord willing, on our prayer series, considering praying always and without ceasing. And we certainly hope you can return with us for that message at a later date. And I hope that we can consider some of these limitations and prove our shortcomings and that God will continue to bless us to grow in our prayer life. Remember, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman availeth much. May God bless you.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.